Amen. Well, uh, you can take a seat. Good morning. It's, it's great to be gathered together today. I also got a small opportunity. Thanks, Tama. Can we thank Tama? What a, what a, what a guy. We'll love that. Uh, it is, it's good to, good to be here. I actually yesterday got the privilege of, for a small amount of time of being a daughter of the King. It was great to be uh, at the Women's, women's Conference and uh, what a great weekend it, it's been. And a youth had Youth Alive Conference this week, I believe as well. So it's just been kind of like a full week for everyone of like conferencing. I was trying to get in there. They said I was too old. Uh, so I was just trying to get on as many conferences as I could this week. But it's good to be gathered on Sunday, good to be together, and, and we're going to look at a, a, a few uh, verses out of the book of Luke this morning, and uh, a bit of a story uh, that, that we'll see. Luke chapter 5 starts in, in verse 17. We're kind of going to just break uh, this story uh, down. Jesus, uh, it's a story where Jesus heals a, a paralyzed man, and wanted to take a look at a, a little bit of the, the story here, what happens, and kind of see what we can take out of this today. Does that sound all right? We, we'll read and just see what we can we can gather uh, from that as God's people today. So Luke 5, uh, 17, it says this, One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. I just want to stop at the beginning and, and realize that what we see here, very obviously as we read, is that Wherever Jesus went, a crowd seemed to follow. Jesus had more uh, trouble being by himself than he did drawing a crowd. That wherever he went, people would travel from, from everywhere. Scholars, religious leaders, people would do whatever they could to get where he was. And I believe it says, because it says it here, it says the Lord's healing power strongly with Jesus. What we see here is wherever Jesus went, something happened. And whenever something is relevant and whenever is Jesus is moving, whenever God is up to something, it gets people's attention. And I think about that for us as God's church today. Do we have the attention of the world, the attention of our community, the attention of our families, the, the, the attention of the places that we work because of what God is up to in our lives? Or does it seem a little bit irrelevant? And I ask you this question and ask me this question because I don't think... The idea of God is something that puts people off. But I think that people think God is irrelevant. And I think the, the trouble that the disciples had when they were starting the church are far different to the challenges that we have today. They were, they were persecuted. They were trying to be shut down. We, we, don't, we don't have that problem here today. We can, we can be here gathered today. And you know what? If you don't want to be gathered here because you can't or whatever, you can be gathered straight online and you can be in your living room engaging with what God is doing. But I feel like the biggest danger for us as the church today as we kick straight into this is that people just don't think God's relevant. This morning, uh, to, to illustrate this, I was driving uh, to church and, on a Sunday and uh, the guy that lives down the, the road from me, my, my son calls him old mate. Uh, he, he's an older, older bloke. His name's Eddie, actually. We don't just all call him old mate. But my, my son's like, how's old mate going down the road? You know? And he stopped me. He's walking his dog and he stops me. He's like, what, hey. And I'm like, I don't have time for a chat right now. Like, I gotta go. I wind down my window, he's like, he's like, what are you doing at this time in the morning? Like, you, you look all dressed up and whatnot. I'm like, going to church. He's like, what? I'm like, come on, Eddie, we've been through this. I work for a church, it's Sunday, it's the one day of the week that I work. <laughs> you know, like, we've had this conversation before. He's like, but why, why would you do I'm like, starts at 10, you should come. He's like, she'll be all right, mate, thanks. And off he goes. 
But it just illustrated again to me this morning how it, it was like mind-blowing for him that I would be up at that time of the morning going to church. Like it's mind-blowing to me that he's up at that time of the morning walking his dog. Like that can be done anytime. Up to Eddie, have a sleep in, you know, tune in online. But we have this thing where Jesus, the strong healing power is with Jesus. The power that existed then in that room where Jesus was traveling around is the same power that exists today through God's people. And I feel like when I look at my life and go, if God is truly moving in my life, is it getting people's attention? Because if he truly is, it will be. There'll be a story to share. There'll be something to tell. The last relevant thing that God did in my life won't be 10 years ago. Hopefully it's today. Hopefully it's tomorrow. Hopefully people will be able to look at my life and go, ah, there's something in that. And I feel like that's relevant to me. It's our job as God's people to make the message of Jesus relevant to the world today. Doesn't mean we have to all be crazy with a microphone and, and run around and yell and, and scream and preach or knock on people's doors or, or do anything weird, but it means that God should be moving and active in our lives. That the same power that exists in this story is the same power that exists that we have access to today. And that should grip the attention of those that we come into contact with. So much so we see here in Verse 18, and, and this is where the, 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 the characters in the story kind of come out. It says, some men, not even named, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles. They lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Think about this for a second. They're, they're trying to get inside the building and they can't get inside. And then I imagine one of the lads is like, hey boys, I got an idea. Let's go up on the roof. And we're like, we'll dig the tiles off and we'll just drop him down in front of Jesus. Anyone got outrageous? I got some outrageous friends like that that just nothing seems too hard. I'm like, that's just too hard, I'm done. But they'll have some outrageous idea. Most of the time, it's not actually safe, but they'll do it anyway. And they'll climb up on some ladder and they'll, do, and they'll just solve the problem. So relevant was what Jesus was doing that they had a friend that they knew Jesus could help, but they couldn't get in. So they were creative enough. They were, they were desperate enough. They had a, enough faith to go, well, let's, let's get up on the roof and we'll just drop him down right in front of Jesus. Like that's some innovative thinking, but also would have taken some work. And I don't know for you, but for me, often I'll label things and I'll put them in the, the too hard kind of basket. Or I'll label people and go, nah, maybe I, should, maybe I should talk to them about faith or maybe I should engage them in a conversation or maybe I should invite them to something and be like, mm, but what if they say no? Or what if they come and they, they don't like it or... What if, what if they come and someone's weird to them and it ruins their experience? What if they, they, they come and they think I'm crazy and then they don't want to be my friend anymore? These are, these are the things that will go through my head. And I'll, I'll begin to look at people and go, oh, that just, they seem a little bit too hard. Or I already know how, how, how they're going to respond. And I believe that, and what I felt God kind of say to me this week as I was thinking about uh, this message and preparing and, and even these very verses was that 
the people in our lives, whether they receive Jesus, the message of Jesus or not, whether Jesus changes their life or not, is not actually up to us. It's up to them. See, it doesn't say that the, the men could heal their friend. They realized that Jesus could heal their friend. And so they carted him all the way there. They carried him all the way there and couldn't get in, but that's not good enough for them. They, they realized that Jesus could do something, so they're willing to be extreme. Imagine if someone just like, like that'd be weird. Jesus is teaching and they, they, they drop someone down in front of him. Cut the line, if you will, push in. But for them, it was a faith issue. Their faith was strong enough that they would go, you know what, we're going to be extreme here because we believe on the other side this could change the life of our friend. Wasn't their job, was it, to change the, the, the life of their friend? They, they, they physically couldn't heal him, but they knew the one that could. And so they were willing to do whatever it took to get him to Jesus. You know, our job is not to decide for people whether they will or won't have their lives changed by Jesus. It's up to us to have the faith to know that he can change their lives. And our job is to get them there. Our job is to help people see that. Our job is to make Jesus, like I was saying at the beginning of this, relevant to the world so that they can see him. Their job on that day was to get their friend to Jesus. And they weren't going to take no for an answer. They weren't going to let a full room prevent them from getting their friend to Jesus. They were willing to do whatever it took. And when I think about my life and whether I have a, an invitational spirit or whether I allow people to have access to Jesus or not, often I, I think for myself it's, a faith, it's straight up a faith issue. Do I believe that Jesus is who I think he is? And if I do, do I believe he has the ability to change their life? Yes, no. And then do I have the, the faith to actually put it into action and do something about it? And often for me, it becomes, that becomes the barrier. The what if becomes the barrier. Imagine if they, they got there and they're like, what if the room was full? We shouldn't try. Then they get there and they look and go, oh man, like we're 10 minutes late for church. You know, like it's full. Oh, well, let's just try again tomorrow. We'll see what kind of opportunity they would miss. See, I love in verse 20, is it? Sorry, Roddy, if it's up there. Jesus says this, he says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Do you know what he doesn't say? Seeing the man on the mat's faith, Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. It says, seeing the faith of the men, seeing the faith of your friends, your sins are forgiven. The faith of the friends is what changed the life of the man. Sure, the man would have had to have had enough faith to believe that Jesus could do a work in his life, but it was the faith of the friends that changed the life of this man. Let me tell you, the, the key to seeing a change in the life of your family is your faith. The key to seeing the life change of a colleague at your work is your faith. The key to seeing the change in our community as a church is our faith. Do we truly believe in who Jesus is and what he can do? And then if we do, are we going to put that faith into some action and allow it 
to bring change to someone else's life. Story continues on here and it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said to them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately everyone, sorry, as immediately everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. You know, what we, what, we, what we see here is kind of a little bit of the attitude of the religious people at the time. They had kind of missed the mark on, on who Jesus was. And so Jesus kind of says to the man, he doesn't say, um, you're healed, pick up your mat and go straight away, does he? We notice he says, your sins are forgiven. And I love the picture that this presents and how important it is that Jesus is doing this. He's not just doing it to mess with the Pharisees. I think that's just the fun side. Um, you know, he says that stuff and knows what they're going to think. You know, he's got that whole I know what you're thinking thing going on, Jesus does. And so he's able to kind of deal with that as well. But, you know, when someone in, truly encounters Jesus, and if you think back to when it was for you, maybe it was recently, maybe you've been a, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ for a long time, there would have been a, a moment somewhere where the penny dropped. And he kind of decided, yeah, I think there's something in this. I'm going I'm to pursue it. And we know that salvation is not just like this one moment and everything changes in your whole life and then it's different forever. But there is a point in time where we kind of go, Jesus is relevant. Kind of want to, want to figure that out. And we start kind of taking steps in the right direction. You know, those, those steps often start on the inside. And so Jesus, by kind of telling him his sins are forgiven, he's saying it, it's more than just what's got you on the mat. Now, there's all this stuff around whether, you know, sometimes bad things happen because of bad actions and sometimes people had, had disabilities and illnesses because of sin and all those kind of things and so he could have been helping him with that. But the reality is we know that change begins on the inside. And Jesus isn't about part transformation of going, hey, just, he could have said, pick up your mat and go and just walk off and left him to it. But he realizes that there's, there's more to it than just the physical issue that the man's going through. That he actually needs his sins forgiven, that he actually needs salvation then he deals with the issue of being paralyzed. A life of following Jesus is about full transformation. Sometimes we can look at people and go, oh yeah, I can see how they might need Jesus because there's this issue that I could kind of help them with. Or, or go, yeah, I can, you know, their life's a bit of a mess, like Jesus could surely kind of help them. But being a part of, the church, if you will, being a part of God's kingdom is actually about transformation from the inside out. There's not a, a club that we kind of come to every Sunday and get comfortable and, and have our seat in the auditorium, like this is where I sit, these are the people that I talk to, this is the type of coffee I get, this is the seat of the couch I sit on at home when I watch church. And I come in and I, and I talk to my peeps and I, and, I, and I go home and I feel a little bit better for it. Church is not a, a self-help group. It's not a, this just makes me feel good and it's what I do. It's not a religion as such. This is where religion actually can get in the way of relevance. Because religion just becomes, I just do this because I have to. 
And I just do this because I don't even know why anymore. I just do it because I do. I was driving um, with a mate in a car. Um, it was a truck. Actually, we were moving house and um, I was giving him a hand. And he's like, have you always been religious? And I was like, I don't think I'm religious now. Um, but I know what you mean, so, so go on. He goes, what about your kids? Are you going to make them be religious? And I was like, yes. No. <laughs> I was like, They're good at church because they have no. He's like, well, how, like, how's that going to work? Like, do you take them to church now or do you just wait till they're like 21 and then they decide? Like, he just has no idea about anything. Never been to church or anything in his life. I'm like, no, they go now. Like, they go. That's what we do as a family. We, we come to church together and eventually they're going to have to make their own decision. He goes, so you just 10 o'clock every Sunday, you just go to the same thing, do the same thing. I'm like, yeah. But that could be the religious part of it. If my relationship with Jesus was just at 10 a.m. every Sunday, I tune in or I rock up to this place and I sit and I go through the motions and I sing the songs and I hope they sing the songs I, I like this morning and, and I, it's a, a nice little feel-good experience, then I go home. And I think sometimes subconsciously that's what it can become for, for all of us. I think we've all kind of gone through the motions at some point or maybe I'm just being really honest this morning. Sometimes I can rock up here and go home and be like, What happened? What happened today? I don't, even, like, I don't even remember driving. It's just, it's sorry in my nature. I just go the same way. Like I almost clipped my neighbor this morning because I wasn't, I was just in the zone. That's not what it's meant to be. That's just religion. What being a part of the body of Christ is meant to be is transformation. That we should leave transformed by what happens. But it's a day-to-day thing. Every day. I'm engaging with who Jesus is and what he has for my life. And over time, it begins to transform who we are and how we live and what we do. There's people in your world and in my world that need that transformation. They might not have something physically wrong with them. They might not have a problem that we can look at it and a felt need and go, I can fix this now. I've shown you the love of Christ. Now, hopefully you figure it out. But you know what? Everybody, I believe, needs... Jesus in their life, to unlock their fullest potential. I think of people in my world that I know that are successful and doing so well, and sometimes it's hard to think, how do I, how do I tell them they need Jesus? Because they seem to have everything they need. But you know what? They don't have everything they need because they don't have Christ in their life. They're not living to their full potential. Why? Because they don't have Christ in their life. It's not about what they can and can't do. It's not about the rules. It's not about having to be here at 10 o'clock. It's about life transformation. And so Jesus looks at this man and goes, you know what? I know what your core issue is here. Your sins are forgiven. And then the crowd, they get all up and about going, who does this Jesus bloke think he is? You can't do that. And he stops. He's like, what's easier? Is it easier to tell the guy that his sins are forgiven and start with the inside transformation? Or is it easier to tell him to get up and walk? Go. And the dude gets up. And what does he do? He starts praising God. Because he realizes that it's not just some medical issue that's been fixed for him, but he's had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with God, and his life is forever different. And then he leaves, and he leaves praising God and telling everyone the great thing that's happened in his life. And look at this relevance. I was on a mat, and I'm not anymore. And everybody else goes, this is remarkable. This is unusual. And this is why the crowds were following him. Because he was doing things that were unusual, but pointing people towards God. And I look and go, that's what the church should look like. It should seem unusual because it's different to everything else. But it should be relevant because it should be transforming the lives of people. It should be transforming your life. It should be, tra- like, we should be forever, this is a forever growing thing. 
That's why Christianity is not an in and an out thing. It's not, a, oh, well, today you put your hand up and now you're, you're in the club. It's not a club. It's no in and there's no out. It's only what part of the journey are you on? And our job is to help people see who Jesus is so they can get on that journey. They can get on that walk, they can get on that ride, and they can start having their lives transformed. But do we have the faith to believe that that's what Jesus does? Do we see it in our own life? Are we taking steps on the journey, or do we just think we're in and we're out, and that's it? And because I'm in, I have to do these things. It's a mindset, I believe, that I need a break and you need a break. We don't want to go through the motions of our faith. We want to be on the walk of transformation. As God's people, we're called to help people, yes, deal with their physical needs, but their spiritual needs are so much more important. And there's lots of nice people around. And there's lots of people who believe if I just be a good person, that's going to be enough. And we should all strive to be good people. But I'd much rather be a transformed person by the power of who Jesus is in my life because I believe that will just make me a better person. My aim's not to be a good person, it's to be a transformed person. Knowing that my life with Jesus is, is going to be so much better than what it would be without. But yet I know for my neighbor and my neighbor and my friends and the people that I spend time with that, that don't know him, do I have the faith to believe that Jesus can really transform their life? Because if I do, I have a job to do in that space. And it's not for me to transform their life. I can't do that. But I can take them to the one who can. But am I willing to do whatever it takes to see that happen? Because that's activating our faith. And that's being a part of what Jesus calls you to and me to. You know, I wanted to leave us with some, I might invite the team actually up to join us. I wanted to leave us with a, a couple of things out of this story, a couple of practical things I believe that we can do. You know, the first thing that we kind of see at the very kind of beginning of this story, when the, when the men rock up with their friend, do we remember what happened? The room was full, wasn't it? The room was full. The attitude of the, the people we kind of see here is a little bit like, who does Jesus think he is kind of thing? And, you know, I imagine they weren't too impressed with the whole grand lowering of the guy. And I look and go, as, as, as God's church, as God's people, we need to be a people who create room and create space for people to come to know Christ. That this place would never be too full for someone to be able to come in and hear about who God is. That no one would come in here and then walk out and go, geez, I don't think that was relevant to me today. Or those people weren't all that friendly. And I'm not saying we're an unfriendly church, but imagine what it would look like if our entire congregation this morning in here were a giant welcome team. Like everybody was just all about meeting one another, creating space, having community, being interested in, in the lives of other people. That no one could walk out of, in and out of here and feel lost because the 10 people in a t-shirt couldn't quite get to them this morning. But actually they came in here and went, wow, there's room for me. Imagine these, these, these seats here were full. And those ones, I'm not picking on you guys because you're back there. I don't know at what point you came this morning, so don't, don't feel judged. But imagine those ones were full and the back ones were empty. So that someone walked in and they, they, they felt like, oh, there's room for me. I don't have to like dodge through the crowd that I, that I don't know and be lowered down to the front. Maybe we should do that. If you're, if you're late to church, we'll lower you through the roof. No, I'm joking. That wasn't serious. 
But imagine we were a, a, a church that was just all about creating room. And when I'm gonna come here today and I'm gonna make sure everything I do is, is for someone else. I'm gonna be welcoming, I'm gonna be friendly. If you're new here today, I hope that that is your experience, that when you're here, you meet some people that you can connect with, that you can do the journey of life with. And you can feel like this, this, this thing that we're doing today is relevant to you. And there's something about Jesus would capture your attention. And you can start this wonderful journey that we're all on of life transformation, being more like Him. And it's just a simple question. Are, are you a person that creates room for others? If I think about me, sometimes I'm not, being really honest. Sometimes I can get caught up in talking to my friends that I will talk to on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Or go, this is my chance in the week to catch up with some people that I know. But maybe in my life, I need to make some new friends and get to know others and what, the, what their journey is and how I can be a part of that. Now I understand I'm extremely introverted, believe it or not. So like, I hear the difficulty with that. Like talking to people sometimes makes me feel a little bit nervous. But like individually, not like corporately. But you know, there'll be some other introverts out there that probably want to sit and not talk a lot, but <laughs> want to have a relation, you know? Like we, it, it takes all of us working together to create space and room for people to come in and, and have the same experience that we get to have. We should never be so comfortable with this place that we forget about other people. We want to be a people that create room. The other one is, is this. It's the, the faith to give an invitation. The faith to give an invitation. An invitation to be introduced to Jesus. That could take place a couple of different ways. Maybe that's just a conversation with someone you know. For me, it's, if I'm really honest, sometimes it's just saying that I was at church on the weekend and not work. What did you do on the weekend? I went to work. It's a really easy out. <laughs> Unless they ask me what I do and then the conversation has to go further. But to be able to say, hey, I went to church on the weekend and it was excellent. Hey, do you want to come next week? Just come and see what it's about. Or maybe it's just the, the invitation of opening up a conversation about who Jesus is and how he's changed your life or what he's done that makes it relevant in, in the last year or the last day or the last week and, what was the last thing he did in your life that was relevant? Share that experience. Share that story. One way that as a church, we want to make it really easy for you to do that is, and Michelle mentioned it earlier, is Alpha. The slide up on the screen. Alpha starts this week. You know what it is? It's just a really easy way to go, hey, do you want to come to a party? Like who doesn't want to go to a party? Like even introverts like parties. So don't give me that. Everyone likes parties. And the great thing about it is there's, there's like lots of people there. So if you really do want to kind of hide in the corner, you can do that. Like two or three can sit and not talk to one another. It's great. Love it. But here's the thing. We do all these great things as a church because we want to be a place that's a bridge for people who don't know Jesus. This one is an excellent bridge because it kind of takes it a little bit deeper. Like just, just a little bit to start with. It's not like a carols in the park where it's like big and everyone's there and they are a great bridge. I love that. But you know what I love about the party is it's here. In that foyer, most likely, I think, is where it'll be. But you know what? It's just a good time to kind of hang out and have some conversation. Then there's a mention of what the rest of Alpha is and what it's about. And then people get to opt in or they get to opt out. No pressure. But you know what it does? It gives them an experience that church isn't, this weird, irrelevant, religious thing. It's actually a real 
relevance, place of community and relationship. And I guess to introduce them to, to who Jesus is. And so often I think, oh, they wouldn't want to come. Like, honestly, that's probably what it is for half the time. I'm like, oh, I don't think that guy will come. I'm not going to invite him. Or the other way is, oh, I just don't have anyone to invite. I don't know anyone that doesn't know Jesus. So all my friends know. If we really want to make him relevant, we've got to go find some people. Start building relationships with them and, and invite them to something like this. So this is the second challenge. The first one is to be a people that create room. Create space. Believe that this Alpha launch party is us as a church creating a space. But you know what? It's no good creating a space if no one comes. You see, it's very discouraging when that happens. Been a youth pastor and that's, that's happened heaps of times. <laughs> it's a great night of youth. Oh, no. Um, but we want to create a space. But the space is useless without the invitation. And so it's my job and your job to go, who in my world not do I know that might come to a thing like this. That's not where to start. Who in my life needs their life transformed by Jesus? Who is it that I know that needs to know Jesus? Who is it that I know that doesn't now know? And if you don't know the answer to that question, who do you know now that doesn't know Jesus? That's the person that needs to know. Just ask them to come. Everyone loves food and live music and hanging out. That's all it really is. You know what? That's the job. Lower them in the room. Get them there and trust that God would do the rest. And if they don't like it, well, then they don't have to come back. That's okay. But they're not going to have a bad experience. I want to challenge you this week just to think about who in your world could you invite to Alpha? And if Thursday doesn't work for you, when the next one is, you know, just begin to think about who can I be having conversations with in my life to introduce them to Jesus? I want to be the kind of person that has the faith of those guys that would go, you know what, I'm not going to take barriers for an answer. I'm just going to try. There's a lot of risk that they lowered them through the roof. There's a lot that could have gone wrong in that situation. Maybe Jesus kind of would have got mad at them and been like, don't do that. You just interrupted my teaching. That's probably what I would have thought. But the reality is they took a risk, an act of faith, to see a friend's life change forever. That's the kind of risk I want to take in my life. So I want to encourage you this Thursday, who could you bring? Who could you bring along to this thing? Well, I'd love to see this foyer full, not with just us hanging out, as nice as that would be. We can do that, this, we can do that at 10 a.m. next week. But who could you bring to an alpha party that would introduce them to the one that's going to transform and change their life forever? It's going to take Jesus from being maybe something they've never thought about or something that someone they think about that's irrelevant to going, oh, hey, this is, this is actually relevant for me. Because we hear countless story after story after story from people doing Alpha that have had their lives changed, transformed. Away from Christ, introduced to Christ. Not on the journey to on the journey. And when I think about the people in my world that don't know Him, I know they need that. I think the issue is more with me than it is with them. And so we're going we're gonna to just sing uh, one more song together. And I, might, I might invite you to stand. And, and song we sung earlier, but they, they left a part out of it. And, and it's this whole idea of the, the words of the song is, is Lord Send Revival. And you know what? Revival happens when God's people 
allow Him to be relevant. You look at every revival that goes on, it's because God is moving and active and alive amongst His people. Revival often starts with one, in a lot of spaces, it starts with like a, like a group of people of faith just having a meeting together and then suddenly they, all these people come and they have another one and they have another one and they have, and there's stories of like these, these tents being set up in places, just people hungry to see God move and then suddenly they're there for five weeks and thousands of people have come in and the church just exploded with people going around and telling people who Jesus was. They didn't have buildings and fancy things. They just went around telling people the good news of Jesus and the church grew and was built. So I believe that as we sing these songs this morning, as we sing these words, my prayer and my hope would be that this idea of creating room for others and the faith to tell others about Jesus would drop into who we are. And that as a church, we would truly see revival in our families and in our communities, in the communities around where our churches are. Because God is up to something in His people and people can't help but notice. And because He's doing something, we can't help but talk about it. Think about that man on the mat. There's no way he would have been able to keep what God did in his life a secret. He was literally stuck on a mat and then he walked out of the building that day. Imagine how excited he would have been. Imagine how relevant he thought Jesus was at that point. That, that's the kind of spirit I believe that we need to have. That's the kind of spirit I believe we need to walk out of here with. The confidence knowing that my job is just to, just to give out the invite. It's just to create the room. It's just to allow people the opportunity and trust and have faith in my God that He will do what He promises and move amongst His people. That's how we would see a revival. But I know for me, sometimes I just need that reminder of what Jesus can do and who He is and not to go through the motions, but allow Him to work on the inside of me and do things in my life and prompt me and guide me. And my hope would be that the words of this song sink into your heart as a prayer that, Lord, we do want to see revival that He has done it before and that He would do it again. That He would move in amongst His church and amongst His people to see lives transformed like your life and my life, transformed by the power of who God is and what He can do in our lives. Could we sing this together? Could we declare this? Could we pray this out over our communities, over our families, over our schools, our workplaces, our universities, that God would use us to bring revival to those that don't know Him, to change their lives, to transform who they are. I'm just going to pray for us and we're going, to, we're going to declare these words. We're going to sing them out. Lord, I thank You that You have a great plan to rescue each one of us, to give us a life that was far from You and, and come into relationship and knowledge of who You are, to be transformed by You. Lord, I thank You that this is not an, an exclusive club that you, you can have to be in or out by Your action. But Lord, You just want to transform who we are. And so Lord, I pray that we would be people that create room for others. And Lord, we would have the faith to make You relevant in the world around us. Lord, that we would truly see revival in our communities because of what You were doing in and through Your people. So we do pray that You would send revival. Lord, we pray that You would do it now. We pray that Your Spirit would break out in our lives and in the lives of those that don't know You. We honour You and we praise You and we do. We pray this, Lord, Center of Bible. Come on, let's sing this.